Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. Just a little exciting thing that happened for me and my family. My wife, Sarah, came back to church this week, which is pretty good. <clears throat> um, if, if you knew, she's been sick for a number uh, of weeks. She hasn't been able to be here for the last three weeks, but she was here in church this morning, and it was great to have her. We went out this week, and uh, we even had a date night, which is good to do, and, uh, and, and it was great. It, w- it was a great night. We, we went out for dinner, and uh, the w- when the people came, they didn't take our order. Like, they came, and they said hello, and they didn't take our order. In fact, I didn't tell this this morning, but it was a Thai restaurant. And I said to the lady, can, when can we order our food? And she looks at us, she, she sa- smiled, and she said, Thailand. And I said, yeah. I, <laughs> I said, I know where the food comes from. And she just kind of walked off. And, and then it was like another 10 minutes. The only thing we had was a bottle of water, which my wife loved because she loves to drink water. Um, she, she does. She's... She's one of these people that will just drink copious amounts of water. When we're out for dinner, there will be a bottle of water on the table. She'll pour a glass for me and a, and, and a glass for herself, but then she will drink that so quickly. She will finish nearly the whole bottle, and if I still have any water left in my glass, she will ask me, are you going to finish that? And so, <laughs> and so she just loves drinking water. She's one of, you know, I don't want to brand tonight, but she's one of these people that, that take water everywhere. Do you, do you know people like that? They just, some of you are looking at your neighbor right now and saying, it's you, it's you. And, uh, but, but it is like some, some people, they just, I don't know what you're worried about. Like, you're not going to die of thirst. You're surrounded by water. We have taps. There are drinking fountains almost everywhere that you, you, you go. If you, some people bring a bottle of water to a restaurant, you know, and I think, like, they have that, you know, like, like, when you go, it comes standard with a meal, so just don't worry about it, don't sweat it, you know, you're going to get it, but some people, maybe they're worried about dying of thirst, I don't know, but it is good to stay hydrated, I found this out this week, that uh, just, just by living, you lose about two to three liters of water every single day, and so it's good to stay hydrated, I am telling you all of this because I want to tell you a story about three kings that were severely hydrated. They were worried about dying of thirst, and I want to read this scripture to you. So if you have a Bible, um, you can look this up. It's in 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to, before we we jump into this story, I'm going to back up for a minute so that you know uh, what is happening in this story so that you can follow it properly. There are, this is a story about three kings that are in a desert and another king, a fourth king, the king of Moab. His name was Misha. Uh, the king of Moab, he was a sheep breeder. He was actually a New Zealander. You didn't know that. It's in the original <laughs> language. So, so, so he, Moab, you know, New Zealand, I don't know. Maybe they, they were closer back then. It's split up since then. But, uh, but anyway, he used to pay uh, uh, like, uh, either royalties or um, you know, you know, give the king of Israel uh, sheep every year. And so what happened is, is that the king of Israel, a, a man by the name of Ahab, he died. And so his son, 
began to rule in his place. But when the son began to rule, the king of Moab, Misha, he said, well, I had to pay your dad, but I'm not paying you. And so the king of Israel was pretty disappointed about this. So he went and got a couple of his mates, a king from Edom and another king from Judah. And he said, hey guys, uh, the king of Moab, Misha, he's totally disrespecting me and uh, he's not gonna give me the sheep that, that are owed to me. So would you come with me and, and go to war against this king? And they're like, yeah, like, let's do it. So, so they set out for war. This is where we pick up the story. Second Kings chapter three, verse nine, it says, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And when they had made a circuitous march, yes, there's a word that I use all the time, circuitous, which means a journey that took you longer because you didn't go by the direct route. Now that you know it, you can use it all the time. A circuitous journey or a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, alas, another word I use very frequently, alas, um, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, he said, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Elijah did great things with miracles. So he's like, let's get him. So Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. He said that because Ahab was not a king that followed God. And so he said, I don't want to see you. That's pretty gutsy for someone to speak to the king in this way. But now you're understanding a little bit about Elisha. He doesn't really worry about that. So he says, go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, it is the Lord that has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Verse 14. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you or see you. He's bold. He's saying this to the king. He says, but now bring me a musician. Oh, this was part of my favorite part of this whole thing because he said, oh, I need to hear the word of the Lord. So he just wanted to put some worship music on. Now they don't have Spotify, so you just call for musicians back then, okay? So he calls for a musician and, he's, and the musician plays and the hand of the Lord comes to him. If you want to hear the voice of the Lord, sometimes it's good to put on some worship. Verse 16, and he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. Verse 17, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but the stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink you, your livestock and your animals. This is a light thing to do in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop up all springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The next morning, and I want you to underline this just in your memory, the next morning about the time of offering the sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom till the country was filled with water. What a great miracle for a country that's in a drought to be completely filled with water. I want to preach a message to you tonight called Lord of the Drought. Lord of the Drought. Life is not a walk in a park. Parks are beautiful. You go to the park, someone's looked after it, someone's maintained it. It's, it's manicured gardens and 
and, and, and water fountains and, and lakes and I don't know, like it, the parks are beautiful. And I wish that life was just walking through a beautiful park. You know, I, I wish it was like that all the time. You're going to have seasons of beauty in your life. You're going to have seasons where everything begins to line up. You're going to have seasons where everything begins to fall into place. And when those seasons come, you should celebrate it and enjoy it because Solomon said that season doesn't last forever. There are seasons where good things happen, but then there are seasons where it's dry. There are seasons where it's arid, where things are difficult. There are seasons when things don't fall into place. There are seasons when you don't understand what's going on. You can't understand what God is doing or or, or where he is. And you are not seeing the fruit that you want to see in your life. So fruit would be you're working hard and you want to see the fruits of your labor. You've got a business and you're working hard at it and you want it to be successful. And you want it financially to do well. This is the fruit of the hard work that you put in. And Solomon said there are seasons that are going to be like that. If you're new to church, Specifically, if you just came tonight because there was a baptism, let me tell you this. If you are a person of faith or you decide to become a person of faith, you don't do it because it avoids all of life's problems. When you become a Christian, you're a person of faith, you start to follow God. It's not like you make that decision and then you live blissfully for the rest of your life walking through parks of lush green fields and fruit is abundant in your life That's not what happens when you become a Christian. There are some really good things that happen. You have a relationship with God. He will forgive you of your sins. You know, there's some good things that happen there, but it doesn't mean that every season is going to be easy from there on in. Now, when you're a person of faith, what happens is there is a strength that's inside of you that allows you to endure the seasons of hardship. And it's good to have that because they're coming. They're coming. They might already be here. Everyone faces difficult seasons. I don't know what a hard time is for you. Maybe a hard time for you is exactly what I was saying before. It's you're you're a business owner and you're looking to be successful in what you do and your business is struggling and you've read every book on the subject. You've looked at your org chart and rearranged that thing mentally so many times. You got a business coach and you paid him well. And yet still, despite that, you can't seem to make it work. The revenue is just not coming in. The opportunities just don't seem to be there. So you struggle. And and, and this this is a hard thing for some people to deal with. Maybe for you, it's not about running the business. It's literally just that your finances, your personal finances, are in dire straits. You are struggling to make ends meet. Your bills are coming in faster than you can pay them off. You're getting threatened to have your electricity cut off and your water cut off and all the rest, and you don't know what to do. Hard times can be anything. They are normally prolonged seasons where things get you know, really difficult. I call these seasons of drought. A drought could be in your life that there is, a, there is maybe a sick in their body, but there is no diagnosis over your life. And you're trying to figure out, I don't know what this is, but I know that I'm not well. Or maybe there is one and you're getting treatment right now, but the treatment doesn't seem to be working and things are difficult. 
it could be relational. Some of you may have here tonight may have actually been through a divorce. Maybe some of you were going through a difficult time with your parents, a difficult relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse, and things are hard, and it has been this way for a long time. This is what I call seasons of drought, and they are difficult. We read a story today about three kings that are going through a season of drought. You know, I, I, I figured this. These guys are smart, right? They're three kings. They launch out to go into battle to fight a war. And at the end of the first day, they would have been thirsty. Yeah? They would have been thirsty. I mean, they had no water the whole day. So presumably, the whole army is thirsty. The animals are thirsty. And right then, that's an immediate and pressing need. But it took them seven days to do something about it. Did you notice that it was seven days before they said, hey, we should probably inquire of the Lord around about now. They would have been thirsty on day one, but it took seven days for them to get to the place where they said, oh, we should start to seek God now. Do you Do you know anyone that has a spiritual life that's just a little bit like that, where they have been in a season where things have been dry for quite some time, and yet despite the fact that things have been dry and difficult and they are not in a good relationship with God, they seem to continue to just go day in, day out, being aware of the pressing need that's upon them and trying to live like it doesn't exist? These three kings, I figured they were pretty smart. It doesn't say it in the text, but I'm guessing they took some water with them. You know, like these people that go to restaurants and bring water. They were probably like that, you know, and they they brought that water so that they had something to drink if they couldn't find any water. But it only lasts so long. I know people that live spiritually like this. They take yesterday's revelation the word that they heard yesterday, and they try to live out of that for a prolonged period of time. The only thing is they've been journeying so long, still saying, I've got that word back there. I've got that revelation back there somewhere. That's still good enough for me now. They don't realize they have been living in a season of drought. They're just living off yesterday's information or yesterday's dream. But if you said, yeah, 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 that's great that that happened last year. Like, I'm so glad that someone gave you a prophetic word last year and you're still hanging out for that thing to happen. And hey, that's real exciting for you. But tell me this, when was the last time that you had a fresh word from the Spirit of God in your life? When was the last time that you had an encounter with God? And if you have to point back to sometime last year, I'm telling you, I don't think this is the way that God wants you to live. I don't think that God's intention for us is to live of yesterday's manner and say that this is enough to sustain me well into my future. No, no, no. There is something that we're supposed to have with God, which is a relationship where we walk with Him, where we listen to Him. It's meant to be more regular. Listen up for a minute. I don't want anyone to feel bad or guilty. This is not my motivation for this tonight. But if you come to church once a week, and that's the only time that God ever hears you say a word of praise to Him or pray to Him, you are living in a drought. 
and it's being propped up by it right now because of the spiritual experience called church, and you're trying to live from this spiritual experience thinking you're a spiritual person, but you are so spiritually dry right now, and because you're here, you may think, that's not true. I go to church every week. Okay, okay, you go to church every week, but how's you and God? You know, like, how's things going with you? How's things when you're at home by yourself? How's that relationship still going? I think it's so important that we don't try to live in the season of drought and survive it. You know what often drought feels like? It feels like punishment. That's what drought feels like. Most of the time, it's probably self-inflicted. Why do I say that? Because when it comes to spiritual things, here's a couple promises that God made to you. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Have you ever wondered where God is in your life? Oh, okay, it's just me. So good. Thank you for all of your honesty tonight. So it's just me then. Okay, fine. But there have been times in my life where I have said, God, are you with me? Well, hang on. He made the promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So we know that God is always with us in every season, but it doesn't always feel like that. It doesn't always feel like God is with you in every season. That's not the experience that you have every uh, day of the week. I'm telling you right now, this is my position. I believe God wants to bless you, okay? But I don't believe God wants to bless every decision that you make. And why do I mention that? Because oftentimes we take blessing as a sign of his presence, yeah? yeah? So when the blessing is removed, we think that he's not with us anymore, but it doesn't quite work that way. Because, and, and, and this is very important, make sure you get this next part tonight. Blessing encourages direction. Let me show you how this works. If you are just living your life and you take a step and God blesses it, you take that as affirmation of the direction that you're going and the fact that his presence is with you. Yes? Okay, so if you take another step and you get the same thing, you figure, I'm headed in the right direction. So you just keep going. You just keep taking steps. You keep, you know, why? Because his presence is with you. You feel it. How do you know? Because there's blessing in that step. But I told you that God won't bless every step that you take because sometimes you make some decisions that God just doesn't want to bless. And if God was responsible to bless every decision that you make, you may take it as affirmation that you could walk in any direction. doesn't matter where you go. As long as there's blessing, you could go anywhere you want and think that God wanted you to go that direction. That's why there are times in your life where God will remove his hand of blessing so that you experience what we might sometimes refer to as a spiritual drought. And when you experience that, it's a sign or an indicator that, oh, maybe I shouldn't be going any further. If you experience blessing and blessing and then it stops and you keep taking steps, how long is it before you realize that you should have stopped a little while ago because God's not blessing where you're going anymore? You understand what I'm saying? My kids do this all the time. So my kids, when we go to a park, my kids will play with park equipment in a way that it is not designed to be played with. So do you know those uh, uh, slides that are like tubes and they go they all the way down? There's a ladder that goes up to them. So this is what normal children will do. 
they will go up the slide and then they get into the tube and they go all the way down. I see other children doing this, but not my children, not my kids. No, what my kids will do is they'll go to it and they'll climb on the top of the tube and then they will want to be on the outside where there's no guardrails, nothing set up for their safety, and they'll want to climb all the way to the tops. These things are super high, right? And they'll want to sit on the top. I don't know why they do this, but they don't go down. They go up and they climb. So when they start to do it, they know that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So as they start to climb, they look back at me, like just to get that affirmation, that my blessing, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to give it. I'm like, I have a look. It's a dad look. When you're a parent, you'll get this. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and they look at me. I'm like, oh, get down from there, you know, and, and so they see that. And so because of that, it's an indicator to them that they should go no further. This is how it works with you and God. There are times where God will remove the blessing that he wants to give you just so you know that you could be headed in the wrong direction. And this is why it's important to stay close to God because eventually you're going to come across a season of drought and you're going to say, why am I here? Why am I in this? Why do I, why, why am I going through this right now? I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. It's God, I felt like you were with me, but now I feel like I don't even know where you are. I don't understand why I'm going through the difficult stuff that I'm going through right now. And you're trying to figure it out. Do you know the scriptures say that God will discipline the ones that he loves? So when you get disciplined by God, it means that he loves you, but... Discipline and punishment feel exactly the same in the moment. So there are moments where you're saying, God, is this discipline? Like, are you showing me that I've been going the wrong way? So this, am I experiencing a season of discipline so that I will correct the path that I'm on? Or is this just punishment? This is just like horrible. I don't know which one it is. It's oftentimes you have no idea. It's oftentimes, you know what I find? It's in retrospect, you look back and you're like, ah, I see what you were doing there. Now I understand it. You know, when I took over this church, Activate Church, I took over it nearly seven years ago. And when I took over this church, the beginning of it was like hell. It was horrible, you know? Like, I did not enjoy much about that first 12 months. You know, when I took over the church, there were <clears throat> all kinds of challenges that I had. Let me just give you a couple. I found that there were some staff members that I had to get rid of immediately, and these were people I heavily relied on because they were involved in stuff that they should not have been involved in. So I said, I'm sorry, like I love you and I want to keep you, but you, you just can't continue to lead. Gone. There were people that I wished would stay, but they got offered jobs at other churches. Gone, you know. Then our building, gone. Did we have money? No. Like, I mean, there were so many challenges that were in that season. I had people when I took over the church come and say to me, hey, listen, it's really great that you've taken over the church, but just want to let you know, please don't speak to us about vision. I'm like, have you got any more great advice for a pastor? Don't give the place vision. Don't speak vision into it. No, don't do that. Any other helpful advice? Right? I'm telling you, the first 12 months of this were horrible. And there was, there was this one particular day that I was in church and I was, I was praying. I was actually on platform at the time. 
uh, it wasn't this one. It was uh, what we called Camp Krusty. Yurunga Community Center, straw thatched roof, um, you know, sticky floors from the night before. And so there I was, and I'm like, you know, have you ever said, God, this is not what I signed up for? And he goes, yes, it is. So I'm in that moment, and, and I'm praying to God, and I'm like, this is not what I want. And, and I'm like, is this discipline? Is this punishment? What did I do wrong? I just said yes, you know? And so God said, no, I'm just teaching you something. I said, what are you teaching me? You know, can we bring the lesson to an end? He said, yeah, I'm just teaching you something. I'm teaching you that when you try to do life without me, it's going to feel like this drought experience that you're having right now. I said, well, that's a great lesson to learn. You know, I've never forgotten that lesson because it was a great teaching moment, thank you, God, you know, that, that made me realize that it, should I ever attempt to try to do this without him, I'm going to end up in trouble. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> there are so many reasons for doubt. Uh, there's so many, sorry, so, there are so many reasons that will lead you to doubt, but there are so many reasons for drought. So many reasons. You know, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's you. Honestly, you say, God, where are you? You know, uh, why am I in this season? You're in this season because you're going to places you should not be going, looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, doing things you shouldn't be doing. You know, like, why am I in this place? It's you. God, why are my finances, you know, in, in ruin? Because you bought a car that you can't afford and you're living well beyond your means. So you're paying the price. Who is it? You, God? No, it's you. So there are times when you're saying, God, he's like, come on, get a grip. Like, just start to be a good steward of your resources. There are times it's you, but then there are times that it's God. And he just, he's going to teach you something. He wants to reveal something to you. There are times when you know what it is. And that's the best, like I find personally. When I'm in a season of like drought, when I've had to go through something, but I know why I'm there, I'm okay with that because it makes sense to me. But then there are times when I don't know and those are much more difficult. There are times when God is doing something in me. And again, I love the times when God is doing something in me because it's much easier to identify when God is trying to change you from within. And so I'm totally okay with it because I say, God, I realize you're doing something fresh and new in my life. But then there are times when God does something outside of you. And when he does something outside of you, it's happening to everyone else around you, but you happen to be caught up in the middle of it and you have no frame of reference to understand why you're going through an experience that you wish that you wouldn't. And I have personally found those seasons the most difficult because they're the ones where you have no understanding of what's going on and you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know when the season of drought is going to come to the end. You don't know when he's going to lead you out of it and that's a tough place to be when you're in a season of drought. But let me, let me tell you something tonight. If you have ever found yourself far from the presence of God in a season you don't want to be in, stuck, struggling, and you don't know how to make sense of it, don't ever doubt in the drought. Don't, don't doubt in the drought. Don't, don't drought at that, doubt at that moment that God loves you. Because it's so easy in that moment to think, oh God, if you really love me, well, I wouldn't be going through anything that was really difficult because you would stop it all of a sudden. Don't start to doubt your heavenly father in that moment. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that when I'm in church on Sunday and when, the, when you're surrounded by your Christian 
uh, mates, you know, and, and, and there's great worship going on. And when you're in that, it's easy to believe all of the good things that you hear. It's so easy to believe. And then you uh, walk into a season of drought and you're like, you know, this just feels dark and horrible. And you remember what you heard, but now you're in a season that seems to contradict what you think you heard. And you say, well, maybe I, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe everything that I believed wasn't right. Hey, listen, don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. Because God is just as loving towards you in this season as he is in that. I told you that no matter which season you go through, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Here's why that's important. Because the enemy of your soul will always try to frame your drought as punishment. The reason you're in this right now is because God is mad with you. The reason why things are really difficult, God is just wanting to teach you a lesson. He's mad. He's frustrated. He's nowhere to be seen around you, you know? That thing that you did, oh, he'll, he'll do this. He'll try to remind you of the sin you have been forgiven of and use that as leverage in your life to help explain your season of drought. And when that begins to happen, what do you do? You start to get attack of the guilt. Oh gosh, I've done the wrong thing. Not realizing you are forgiven in that moment. But you get attacked at the guilt. And you know why guilt works so well? Because when you feel guilty, the last thing you want to do is go to God. Yeah. You want to you go to God when you feel guilty? Isn't it easy to go to God when you've had a really good week? You know, like you just nailed it. Like I sinned 50% less than last week. This is a much better time for me to come to God. You know, I'm doing so much better this week. He'll try to frame it. God's mad with you. God's not mad with you. This is God, God, God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. He, he gave you his son because of the great love that he has for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe in him will never perish but have eternal life. For the son of man didn't come into the world to condemn it, but in order that it would save, be saved by him. Get that into your brain. Get that into your psyche. When you start to feel the attack of the guilt and start to think, oh, the reason why I'm not feeling God is because I've got sin in my life. When you start to take a step back, maybe you need to start to refresh yourself in the scriptures and say, well, hang on, I know what I'm hearing, but I also know what's true. Because if you start to think that your um, season of drought is punishment, you're going to miss the blessing in the drought. There is great blessing in, in drought. The blessing in drought is, I realize I've come to a place where I should go no further. I've come to a place where I realize I don't want to take another step unless I know that he's with me. See, the blessing of drought is it gives you an opportunity to begin to change direction. That's what the king did. King Jehoram, that's what he did. Day one, he was thirsty. Day seven, he eventually turns and says, oh, you know, maybe we should inquire of the Lord at this point. Since we are so close to death, we are close to death. We have no water. We will lose this battle. I was thinking that we should go to the Lord yesterday, but I didn't want to because I feel bad about the relationship that we've got. So... I'm just thinking, let's just see if I can work this out on my own one more day, day seven. No, we are absolutely dead. No, we are in so much trouble. Now, 
that I'm facing death, now that there is no other hope, now when there is no other option, I guess my last option should be, well, we might as well try God then. I guess that's what we should do. I think that, to be honest, King Jehoram, he just had a hard heart. You know, I, I, I read... I read a fact off the internet, so what I'm about to tell you, this is true. Um, <laughs> a fact off the internet, I actually did look it up, it says that you, normal, normally people would survive for three days in the desert. And these guys waited seven. Why wait? Like when there's a pressing need in your life and you realize that you're dry, why wait? Why wait one more day? Why, why say, why resist the presence of God. Why, why resist it and say, no, 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 I'll be okay on my own. Like, why do that? I, I don't understand why anyone would do that except for people that are struggling with guilt because of what's being leveraged in their life because maybe they don't understand what God has really done for them. So the gap in the relationship begins to widen. I think that hard hearts will always try to survive drought first. Maybe we can make it on our own first. Here's how you know you've got a hard heart tonight. Prayer is your last resort, not your first response. Well, I guess, look, we've tried absolutely everything else and we've done everything that we can and there is no other option. So I guess, I guess we should just try prayer. That's someone with a hard heart. That's someone that doesn't understand what God wants for them. That's someone who is relationally destitute. That's someone who's spiritually dry. That's someone who's spiritually barren. That's someone that's so far from the presence of God that they have no idea how much he'd want to begin to pour into their life. Don't don't wait till things get bad enough to pray. That's what I call DSL. Drought-style living. You know drought style living, yeah? Sure you do. Drought style living works like this. I haven't prayed to God in so long, but I just got some really bad news, so I'm going to pray now. I haven't prayed in so long, but I've got an exam coming up Tuesday, so it's Wednesday. Better start praying now. My marriage is not where I want it to be, so God, please change him. He, Lord, you, you know he has problems. It's like your prayer life seems to spike around all the tragedies in your life. That's drought-style living. It's a style of living where you have to wait till things get unimaginably bad before you get to your knees and say, God, I actually need you when this is the position that you should be taking every single day. Because if you're not here in this place, you don't know how bad you need him. You don't know how much you need him, how bad things need to be in your life before you start to cultivate a serious prayer life. Like, is it when tragedy comes or when bad news happens, you're like, all right, now it's time to get really serious because what are you doing? Is is God like, do you just keep him in your back pocket just for emergencies like this? It's like, oh, things went bad. Wait a minute, I think I have the Lord. (laughs) 
Did you have him the whole time? No, no, I just keep him in case something goes wrong in my life. And he is really good in a jam. Really good when I need to get out of a fix. This is drought-style living. But this is not what the Scriptures say. See, the Scriptures say in Galatians chapter 5 that if we're going to walk with the Spirit, we should keep step with the Spirit. There's meant to be this thing called daily living where we listen to Him. And it helps too because when you start to get far from the presence of God, when you've got a good relationship, you sense it. You know it. You say, oh, wait a minute. I realized really quickly before I wandered off into drought territory, I realized that there was something back here. God... Where did I start to get off track? When did I start to go the wrong direction? That's the blessing of drought. Right there is that you start to reorientate yourself in the direction that God wants to take you and lead you. You just got to start to stay close. You know, know, let me give you a piece of advice. I think this is very helpful. It is your daily disciplines that diagnose your drought. It's your daily disciplines. Let Let me explain what I mean. If you don't spend time with God daily, you're taking so many steps every week that it would be so easy for you to get way off track before you even realized you were. Because if I pray once a month, I'm walking 29 days a month in the wrong direction before I even realize. If I pray once a week, it's like, you know, for six days a week, I can go in the wrong direction. I can go anywhere and I'll have no idea because, but if I'm living daily with him, taking steps with him daily and I know where he is, it's like, as soon as I step out, I'm like, God, I don't think you wanted me to go this direction. I can save myself a season of drought if I pay attention to the leading of his spirit. I can save myself a season of drought if I'm in tune with what he wants to say. If you're not consistent with your relationship with God, I'm going to break it down for you tonight. You're spiritually barren right now. You're spiritually dry right now. And you have no idea. If you're a once a monther, I just made that up. You know what I mean. Prayer, once a monther, uh, you are spiritually dry. You spend most of your life in drought. You know, you pray 12 times a year which means most of the year you're wandering far from him, but you're not going to get that because you're so far from him. And every now and then there are people in your life that are going to come to you. And by the way, you really need these people that will come to you and say things like this. And I don't want to offend anyone tonight. And if you don't go to church very often, please like, don't be offended by this. But you know, they'll say, hey man, I noticed that uh, you've been missing church recently. And uh, what's, what's up? Is everything Okay. Hey man, I noticed that you uh, you've been missing small group, you know, recently. You haven't come three out of the last four weeks. I just I just noticed, you know. Do you have people like that in your life, or is it more that when people ask you that, you're just offended by the fact that they ask the question? What right do you have to talk to me about church? I'll go when I want. You can be a Christian when I go everywhere. Do you only realize they're trying to help you? Because you're spending three weeks a month not even in church. I wonder if we took the spiritual temperature of people that didn't go to church regularly and say, hey, how deep really are they? Or is it just trying to explain it away? See, this, this is my point. You need people in your life that can say to you, I've noticed that there's, there's something in you that's not quite right. You know, because God can reveal it, but it's so good to have friends too. It's so good to have people in your life that say, hey, the way that you just spoke to that person, then that's not, that doesn't sound like you. That doesn't sound like something that you'd say. So I just wondered, if, is everything okay in your life? Are you known? Are you known? Do people know you? 
Do people know you or are you in spiritual fix out? In spiritual fix out, no one knows you and so you could be spiritually bright, dry, but no one, no one knows. And you're not getting that help that you need in your life. Hey, please, if, if people ask you those questions, you know, don't be offended by it. Imagine that they care. Imagine the, the fact that they care enough to risk your offense to find out, are you really doing okay? I just want to know because, see, this is the thing. I, and, and again, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, but, but if you come to church once a month and we don't see you for three months, don't be offended that you haven't got the phone call. We just didn't realize that you were missing because you're so inconsistent that it's hard to know. Was he here last week? I don't know. We don't really see that guy very often. So, I don't know. Please don't be offended by that. That's what I'm saying. There's something about having a lifestyle of consistency, consistency in prayer, consistency around people that should know you so that you can also be known, consistency when it comes to church or small group or whatever it is. It's this lifestyle that you live that it's the safeguard against your spiritual drought season that could be impending. But if no one knows where you are and no one knows what's going on and you're a once a month, then you are in so much trouble. You are probably spiritually dry right now and the reason why all of this is important is because i've noticed that drought is a gradual process it's never overnight it's a gradual thing that begins to happen to people but let me tell you about droughts because they all have one thing in common all droughts are broken the same way they're broken by water they're broken by water king jehoram knows this and so he says oh i need elisha to intercede uh, because I can't go to God directly, because uh, we're not really doing so well right now. We haven't had a really good relationship for a while. So is there someone else that we could get that could intercede for us on our behalf to go to God? I'm not going to God, but if we could get that prophet Elijah, he'd be great. Why don't we get him to pray for us, get him to ask God, get him to bring rain, because I just don't think I could really go to God right now. I'm so glad that in the New Testament that we don't have that issue anymore. I'm so glad that I don't need to go find someone else to have a relationship with God. Do you know that the Bible says that the gospel message, it, it broke the greatest drought of all time? The greatest drought of all time surely was the, the relationship that people had with God. The fact that we did not have a good relationship with Him because of the sin that was in our life. And yet the, the Bible says that when Jesus came, he, he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. And whoever believes that message... Whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, that that person will be saved. What does that mean? It means you're a child of God. It means you've got a relationship with him. And if you are that person, if, if you know God, you don't need to go through someone else to have them answer your prayers. I don't need to go to a confessional box and sit in there and say, let me confess my sins to you and can you pray for me? I go straight to the source. Because I have a relationship with my Father that's in heaven. Do you know that the Scriptures tell us that we can go boldly into His throne of grace? I have a right to stand before the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Why? Not because I'm great, but because He is. Not because of everything that I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And so because of that, I can stand in front of Him and say, Lord, I'm pleading my case. I want to know where I'm at. I don't need someone else to do it. They did here. I don't today and neither do you. And so it comes to this prayer that he prays. 
that says that the water, the water would begin to flow and it would, it would be a miracle when it happens. He said, don't expect to see it in the clouds and don't expect to see it in the wind. It's just going to happen. <laughs> what do you mean? Where's it going to come from? Oh, it's just going to happen. Where's it going to come from? The direction of Edom. How, well, what's the source? Don't worry about the source. It's a miracle. And it says that the water began to flow. Do you notice that it says that the, the water began to flow after the time of sacrifice in the morning? Did you notice that as the water began to flow that it says that it began to fill the whole country? Do you know what this story is really about? This story is all about Jesus. This story is all about him. It says that, you know what? When that water begins to flow, it's going to be a miracle. You're going to look for it in the clouds. You're going to look for it in the wind. But it's going to come from the, uh, as, as divine origin, just like Jesus did. You're going to say, hey, wasn't he just born to normal parents? No, his, he was of divine origin. Well, how did the baby get in the womb? Divine origin, uh, you know. But I want to know how did it, divine origin, you know. It was a miracle that Mary would fall pregnant and that she would have a little boy named Jesus. It was a miracle. And that water, when did it begin to flow? After the time of sacrifice. Do you know when the water begins to flow in your life? After Jesus died on the cross, because he said, I am the living water. It flows from me. It comes from me. This story is all about Jesus breaking the drought. It was to foreshadow the events that would come way down the track later on when he would die on the cross to forgive us of our sins and begin to bring people that were dead in their sins back to life. That's what the whole story is about. It says that it filled the whole country. You know, when you're drought in a drought season, when you're thirsty, so often you do anything for just a drop. Look, just, just give me a, just a little bit. I'd do anything for just a taste. But he has the abundance of heaven to break drought and, and fill a whole country with water. Do you understand the abundance that's in the hands of your father? Do you understand the abundance that he has for you in his son Jesus? And sometimes we're begging for what we think we might be able to get, but he's willing to pour out so much more blessing into our lives. He's willing to pour it out. Jesus says, you know what? I'm the one that will be poured out for you. You know, there's a story in the Bible about a woman who meets Jesus at a well and they begin to have a conversation. He says, hey, could you give me a drink? And she says, oh, you're a Jewish person, I'm a Samaritan. They didn't get along very well, generally speaking. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, asked me for a Samaritan from a, for a drink? And he says, woman, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you rivers of living water that you would never have to be thirsty again. And she said, where do I get this? Where, is this? where do I get this water from? He goes, well, go back and bring your husband. She says, uh, I don't have a husband. And he says, ah, you're right. You've actually had five. And the one you shacked up with now, he's not your husband either. She says, I now perceive that you are a prophet. Gee, you think, you know? And where was she? She was in a drought. You know what drought she was in? A relational drought. 
Maybe this next step will be the one where I feel okay. Maybe this next step will be the one. I'm making it on my own. I can do it. I can survive the drought. I can make it another day. I can make it another week. I can make it another month. I'm going to be okay. Uh, This next relationship, this will be the one that fills me from within. This next relationship, this will be the one that makes me feel like I'm okay. You know, but let me tell you something. It'll never be enough. What you need is the living water that Jesus talked about. And let me tell you something. He wants to pour it out. You can be in the middle of a drought season and he can crack a rock and water begins to pour out. All these stories about Jesus in the Old Testament pouring out water because when you're in a dry and an arid place and you're in a desert and you're in a drought, the thing that you need most is water and it's the very thing that he wants to give to you. It's the very thing that's on offer for anybody that asks for it. I don't know how far you feel But if you get what I'm talking about tonight, you would understand this one truth about all of this. I think God wants to break your drought tonight. I think the only way that he can break your drought is if you come to his son, Jesus. You've been looking for rain clouds. You've been looking for ways for things to get solved. My business will get better. If that client signs with us, everything's going to be okay. I'm trying to negotiate terms with my creditors right now. And if I can do this well, then we are going to be okay. We are going to the doctors right now and they are going to give us some medication. And as long as it's covered by the government, we are going to be okay. And we keep thinking that we are going to be okay by going out to these other things when you know what we really need? We just need the source. We just need the water. You know why? Because God can break every drought. In fact, he is Lord of the drought. He is over every season. He is over every difficult time that you face. He's never left you. He's never left you once in your life. He said, if you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. And I felt like God wanted to draw near to some people tonight. I had a different message to preach tonight. I changed it because I believe that God wants to break the drought in your life. I want you to stand to your feet. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.